Welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Betty with the message. So three years ago, I was about to travel back to see my family. All of them live in Iowa, so it's usually me who's traveling back to go home to see them. And at that point, I was on staff at another church in town, and so I had some responsibilities on Christmas Eve, which meant that I was going to travel on Christmas Day. And for me, that just made sense. Um, Flights are a lot cheaper, and I would rather be with my family at the end of the day, knowing that I was in the place that I felt included and loved and a part of a family, I would rather be there at the end of Christmas Day than just wait and spend Christmas alone. So I decided that I was going to fly on Christmas. And uh, so I booked my flight from Pittsburgh to Chicago and then to Iowa. And um, then I I started to think about it, and I didn't want to have to worry about driving there on Christmas and and paying for parking and all of that. And I also didn't want to bother anybody to drive me all the way to Pittsburgh on Christmas Day. So I discovered that the little airport in Martinsburg has $30 flights at, at at least at that point, had $30 flights to get to Pittsburgh. So I thought, that's great. I will just get up on Christmas. I'll go to Martinsburg. I'll be able to catch a flight there. You know, you can park there for free, so I'll be able to leave my vehicle there and not have to worry about anything, and then I can get my flight from Pittsburgh on. So um, I kept keeping an eye on the weather to make make sure everything would be fine, and Christmas morning rolls around, and there was just this mystery blizzard that showed up. (laughs) I have no idea um, where that came from because I remember like constantly checking the weather and it was fine. But I wake up, it was just, it was a blizzard. So I thought, okay, this this is gonna be interesting. So I get in my car, I drive to Martinsburg. It is a winter wonderland out there. It's super hard to see the roads. It's super hard to see anything. So I get into the, to the airport, and if you've been there, and um, I'm sure Derek is quite familiar, it is just this tiny little airport. I was literally the only passenger there, <laughs> and the only passenger scheduled for this flight. So I get up to the counter, and the lady is super positive. She's like, the flight's on its way. It's going to be here just in time, and so we're going to go ahead and get you you know, all, all checked in, and in about 15 minutes, we're going to go through security, and I'm like... Okay, so I get all checked in, I go and I sit down, I'm waiting there, 15 minutes goes by, nothing. I'm like, all right, maybe, you know, maybe things got a little delayed. 20 minutes goes by, 25 minutes goes by, and I, I, I'm trying to eavesdrop because I can see that there are these conversations happening behind the counter between this woman and some other guy that was on staff there, and I see them making phone calls, I see them trying to, like, figure things out. Finally, like 45, 50 minutes goes by, and this woman comes up to me. She's like, so there was a little bit of a change of plans, and the plane got diverted. It got diverted to Johnstown. So what we're going to do is we're just going to cancel this ticket. We're going to give you a ticket from Johnstown. And the, the gentleman that was going to be the co-pilot on that, fl- on that flight, he is here, but he needs to be on that plane. So he's going to drive there. So what you can do is you can just get in this car with him, 
and he is going to drive you to Johnson. She's like, he's a good driver. He's an Uber sometimes, so it will be okay. And I'm like, okay, and she seems very sure about this, but at that point I should have known that I shouldn't have taken every word so seriously this woman was telling me. And at this point, I probably could have been really careful and just driven myself to Pittsburgh and taken my time getting there, and I still would have made my flight. But I was like, all right, well, this, this guy's gonna drive me to Johnstown. So I get in this car with this, with this pilot guy, and we're just driving through this blizzard. And we start talking about puppies and kittens and Jesus, and like it was just a Christmas to remember. <laughs> and so we get about halfway there. We're, we're at this stoplight, and the guy looks at me and he says, "You know what? My my phone notifications keep going off, but I I don't like to look at my phone when I'm in the car, so I'm not going to look at it. But I'm I bet you." that they're canceling that flight from Johnstown because it's always 10 times worse in Johnstown. And I was like, why, why did I get in a car? Why did you tell me to get in a car with you if it's 10 times worse in Johnstown? So now I'm just racking my brain thinking, what am I going to do? All I want is to be home with my family for Christmas. So we get to Johnstown. If, if you've ever been to the airport in Johnstown, it is in the middle of nowhere. And it is full-on winter crazy out there like you can't see anything so we get into the airport I walk up to the desk and the lady says to me she was like I'm so sorry but uh, we don't really know when or if uh, this plane is going to be headed to Pittsburgh today so I'm like great I now I'm stuck here because this guy has to stay here and wait for this plane and I I didn't drive here and we're in the middle of nowhere. So I, uh, I pick up my phone to try to call my mom and just talk through the situation with her, tell her what's going on, see if I can figure something out. I am getting zero service. So I'm like, great, I am stranded here on Christmas Day in the middle of a blizzard and I have no way of, of leaving and uh, you know nobody to contact to come pick me up. And there are these two guys that are kind of standing off to the side, and I hear them trying to problem solve what's going on, and it turns out that they had a flight to catch in Pittsburgh as well. So these guys overhear me talking to the lady at the counter, and they said, um, do you wanna come with us? <laughs> They're like, we just have a really small truck, but I mean, we can just like squeeze our luggage over, and you can just sit in the back seat with our luggage, it's fine, and we can just drive to Pittsburgh. So I. I look at them and, and I look at the lady behind the desk and she was like, it's probably your best option. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I need a moment. I just, I, I was like, you know what, can I, I'm just gonna use the restroom really quick and I, let me just think about this. So I go into the restroom, I'm like pacing back and forth and I'm just praying, I'm like, Lord, if these people are evil, show me. Show me because I have no other option. And I felt at peace and I was like, I, you know, I wouldn't suggest this to people in most situations, but it, I was just in a moment of like, this is my only option. So I got in, in the truck with them. I got in the truck with these guys. And there was just this awkwardness of like, you could tell that they knew how sketchy this whole scenario was. You, you could totally tell. 
But it turns out that they were great. And we ended up having this conversation. They, um, they went to church actually in the neighborhood where I live. They, have mu- they had mutual friends even with people that went to the vineyard at that time. And it was just this crazy small world. And then we like started joking about how, you know, we were going to make a Christmas movie about Elizabeth and Mark and Norm, you know, Betty and Mark and Norm, you know, and their um, Christmas adventures. And it was, and I made it, I made it. Um, I got to Pittsburgh, I had missed my flight. And so that was a whole thing too. But then I was able to finally get a flight later that night and I got into Iowa super late on Christmas day. And my family was both thankful and mortified that I had hitchhiked to Pittsburgh in order to be with them. Um, But there was nothing like the joy of that anticipated moment of of arriving in this place that I felt like I belonged and I I was included and I was a part of a family, even though I had literally weathered the storm to get there. And that's kind of this season of Advent. It's remembering back to what it was like to wait with anticipation for this moment when God was going to come and restore his people right, that he was going to send himself, that he was going to send the Messiah, that after generations and generations of the people of Israel hearing these prophecies of a coming king, of a coming Messiah, and being in and out of captivity and slavery and oppression, they were just longing for that moment, that moment of joy. And that's what this week is. We talked about hope and we talked about peace, and this week we're talking about joy, this joy of this story of the Messiah finally arriving after this long season of waiting, that even for hundreds of years leading up to the birth of Christ, there had been silence. And so this news of Jesus' birth was breaking into this long, long season of darkness and of silence, and it was news of so much joy. So we're going to look at Luke 2, verses 8 through 20, and this is in the NLT. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will be great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened, what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the, angel, the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as the angel had told them. 
So as we dig into this passage and what it meant for this message of joy to be delivered, uh, would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you that even though now we're remembering this time of Advent and what it was like to wait in expectation for you, that now we can do that in reflection, knowing that you did come and that you did show up and that you did um, enter into the world. <clears throat> I pray now that your spirit would, would be so alive in this place, that we would truly experience the joy that you have to offer us. God, I pray even now for those who um, were not able to be with us this morning because of sickness, I pray that your hand would be on them, um, that you would heal them, that your presence would be with them, um, that they would be well and restored, God, and that your joy would be with them also. I pray whatever words are of me and not of you, that they would just fall to the ground, God, but whatever is of you, that it would be remembered, that it would touch our heart, but also transform our heart. Thank you so much for your word, for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So these shepherds, they weren't necessarily a group of people that were from the most joyful circumstances. So at that time, they were kind of isolated from the rest of society, they were looked down upon. Often we hear the phrase like they were lowly, right? So they weren't necessarily the most rich or most popular, most respected. There are even some historical sources that talk about how people sometimes even questioned their morality or they saw them as like thieves. And so they were, they were not exactly a part of the rest of, of society. And they were quite literally, like this night we see that they were out, out in the fields. So they were quite literally in, this, in the middle of darkness and in the middle of the silence of just themselves and their sheeps, their sheep. And so when this news breaks through, it was God delivering a message to probably some of the people that needed to hear it the most, that needed joy the most. And this joy was not just that they're hearing this news, but that they were seen. Even in their circumstances of being isolated from everyone else, that God chose to include them in this story of the Messiah coming, this long-awaited Messiah. And not only did they get to hear this news of great joy, but they actually got to come and be in his presence themselves. They were included. There was this joy that came knowing that they weren't outcasts from God's story, even though they had been outcasts from the rest of the world. Just recently, I came across um, an excerpt from Helen Keller. And if you don't know the full story of Helen Keller, she was incredible. When she was 19 months old, she lost her, both her seeing, her sight, and her hearing. And she was very isolated, right? She didn't have the ability to communicate with those around her, to experience the world around her, other than just by feeling it. And so later on in her childhood, this woman comes and teaches her 
slowly how to communicate by doing sign language in her hand, showing her the names of things and teaching her how, how to learn words and communication, beginning to connect with people. She went on to learn Braille, so she became quite educated, and then she, she wrote several books. And not only that, beyond that, she also became an advocate for people that were outcasts in society. So she um, was a strong advocate, not just for people with disabilities to have equal rights as everyone else, but also people of color and women and people who are marginalized. So she was, she was incredible. And in one of her books called Optimism Within, which optimism, it's very similar to the sense of joy, right? Being able to see the good there's this uh, excerpt that I found quite profound. She says, once I knew the depth where no hope was, and darkness lay on the face of all things, then love came and set my soul free. Once I knew only darkness and stillness, now I know hope and joy. Once I fretted and I beat myself against the wall that shut me in, now I rejoice in the consciousness that I can think, act, and attain heaven. My life was without past or future. Death, the pessimist would say, a consummation devoutly to be wished. But a little word from the fingers of another fell into my hand that clutched at emptiness and my heart leaped to the rapture of living. Night fled before the day of thought, and love and joy and hope came in a passion of obedience to knowledge. Can anyone who has escaped such captivity, who has felt the thrill of glory of freedom, be a pessimist? And there's, I love this line, then love came and set my soul free. The power of somebody entering into her world of isolation and inviting her into a world beyond that. And this is what God did as he broke in to the darkness, as he met with these shepherds and the rest of humanity, and he said, there is something bigger, there is something beyond the oppression that you've been living under, and I am going to include you in it. And I'm going to show you that there is more. And this sense of joy didn't mean that sorrow or that darkness or that oppression or that trials were suddenly gone, right? When we look at this story of the shepherds, at the end of this story, they go and they see Jesus and they behold him. They tell everybody about it. And then what do they do? They go back to their flocks. So when Jesus gave them this news of joy, it didn't give them a sudden social upgrade. It didn't give them a financial raise. It didn't give them any other um, change of circumstances other than knowing that they were a part of something bigger than themselves and bigger than the circumstances around them and bigger than the darkness that they had withhold, held for so long. And Helen Keller, she said, love came and set my soul free. But was she healed? Was she healed from her blindness and from her deafness? No. She still experienced darkness. She still experienced silence. But yet, 
She experienced the presence of a world beyond that. When Jesus came, there's, we've talked so much about this, this already but not yet in the kingdom, right? And so when Jesus came, and, and the people of Israel, they were expecting a king to come and change all of their circumstances and politically free them and be this reigning king and this reigning warrior. But what did he do? He gave them himself. He gave them his presence that in the middle of whatever sorrow or brokenness still existed in the world, that he was giving them his joy, that he was giving them an inclusion in his story. And this, this idea of joy, it's very closely connected with these other things that we talk about at Advent, right? When we have this hope that Jesus will restore all things, and when we have this peace knowing that he is with us, then like, we can't help but experience this genuine joy. I know that for myself, and maybe we're a little bit tired of like talking about it or hearing about it, but we can't escape that this has been our reality. Just as Derek has talked about the last couple of weeks, that over the last almost two years, it has been really hard for most of us to truly experience hope. Like, is this ever going to end? Or peace, like, is it really going to be okay? And for my self-joy, like, I think that growing up, I was somebody that people often would label, like, joyful. Like, why are you so happy all the time, right? And it felt like it was easily accessible to me, but I'll be honest that over the last couple of years, it has been more difficult at times for me to find true, like, happiness because of being so overwhelmed with the heaviness and the darkness. I know I'm not alone in that. And there's a lot of things that play into that. Even coming into the pandemic, there was a lot of things happening in my life that I was deeply grieving. And then I went into months of isolation, being completely alone. And, um, and then um, just even grieving like the world that we once knew, knowing that everything has changed and we don't know what it's gonna look like when we go on into the other side of this. And I also tend to um, feel, and if I'm not careful, absorb like the, the feelings and the emotional atmosphere that's around me. And so even just being in, surrounded by this sense of like hopelessness and sadness and heaviness and people, you know, losing loved ones and grieving and all the things like that, that has weighed on me. And I've had moments of like deeper sorrow than I ever knew before. But I think in the midst of that, I have found how much more so joy is a treasure. That in the midst of the darkness of the world that we live in, that the presence of God with us in it He's never left us, never abandoned us, that he is so present in our sorrow and in our trials and in the darkness of this world that there is a deep sense of joy that goes beyond any fleeting emotion. 
in the midst of all of it. And sometimes we don't know the treasure and the magnitude of that joy until we have experienced darkness, until we have experienced the heaviness of the world. And I want to say, too, that there's sometimes this stigma, I know for myself growing up in the church, around, like, negative emotions. For myself, I know growing up, there was a lot of, I struggled a lot with, like, with anxiety, um, but it was always pushed down because there was like verses thrown at me like, oh, cast your anxieties on the Lord and, you know, like peace is the fruit of the Spirit, like all of that. But I didn't really learn to work through that and to be honest about it and to allow God to, to, to meet me and to give me true peace because I just was ashamed. And I think that the same is true with joy, right? I think that sometimes there's this shame that's attached to, like, not really feeling joyful. And so I, I want to say to anybody here today who, like, maybe feels like, I haven't felt that in a long time, that there's no shame in sorrow. There's no shame in sadness. We cannot shame our way into peace. We cannot shame our way into hope. We cannot shame our way into joy. And even Jesus himself experienced the full scope of emotions. Even Jesus himself was called a man of sorrow, right? So this in itself is nothing to be ashamed about. And so I want to know, I want you to know today that if there's any sense of shame in you about struggling to feel joy, that that is not from God. At the same time, right, we live in this already but not yet world, there is hope for joy. That when Jesus came, that he said, I, I've come to give you life and life to the full. That it is possible, even in the midst of brokenness, even in the midst of sorrow, even in the midst of darkness at times, to know this joy of the presence of God with you. To know this joy that he is including you in something bigger than yourself. In something bigger than the circumstances around you. I know that when I look back on that story of this long-awaited moment of feeling joy and inclusion being a part of my family on Christmas Day, that I had to weather the storm to get there. But that sometimes multiple, we can feel multiple things at the same time, right? There was this man, that was a really rough day. But at the same time, at the end of the day, I could look back and I could see, say, you know what? God provided people who were kind to help me get there. God did make a way for me at the end of the day to be with my family, that his hand of protection was on me. There's multiple studies that show that thankfulness and that gratitude have a very profound shift on our mindset and our, our way of thinking and feeling. And I believe that that's of God. That's of the Lord. And I think I need to be better about this myself, is that it's really important that we acknowledge what is difficult, that we acknowledge what is sad, and that we grieve that. And, not but, and... 
be full of thankfulness for what God has provided for us. Those two things can exist together. Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of Jesus Christ. With this, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.